welcome Pastor Sam. Love this man. Amen. Brings the word. Jesus, Jesus. Ooh, I know that song. From you all things, yeah. Wrong key, but uh deserve the glory can we just sing to the Lord for a moment you are worthy of it all you are worthy of it all scripture Pastor Jonathan just read for from you from you are all things and to you are all things the glory Jesus Jesus you are worthy of it all just set your eyes on the king set your eyes on the Lord worthy of it all oh we love you we love you Lord Let's just sing that again. You are worthy of it all. Sometimes you just got to sing past your flesh. You are worthy of it all. You're worthy of every breath that we breathe. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Thank you. Sing it again. Sing it just the voices. You're worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. Jesus, we bless you, Lord. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. You are worthy of it all. Jesus, you are worthy of it all. Jesus, Jesus, for from you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve. Sing to him for just a moment. Sing to him in the spirit. Just bless his name. Bless him. Just love on the Lord for a moment. Jesus, you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. We bless you, Lord. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, 
Thank you, guys. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I love the words we sang this morning. You are here moving in our midst. We worship you. We worship you. You are here working in this place. We worship you. You are here touching every heart. Do you believe that this morning? That the Lord is here, and he is here to touch every heart. Can you, can you be thankful for that? Yeah. Okay. Here, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to... Faith is not conjured. We don't conjure faith. But we, we do need to lose some of the reasons to not believe. We need to lose the reasons, the experiences I have had that have convinced me somehow to trump the truth of the word of God based on my own circumstantial experience. We've got to lose some of this, well, I mean, we sang a song, he's never let me down. How many here, though, have maybe prayed a prayer at one point in time that said, God, you're not coming through? Right? Are we being real? We've sometimes had moments where we're like, God, are you ever going to come through? But then when you go through the flood, you go through the fire, and you look back and you say, oh my goodness, he was with me even when I didn't know he was with me. So faith is not, oh gosh, let's just and get to be a constipated Christian. Faith is just simply remembering who he really is and losing all the reasons I have to not trust the same one that was with me then to be with me now, to be with me and the one who holds my future, amen? He is here touching every heart. I'm saying this, I'm, I really believe there are some here today, the Holy Spirit just wants to drench you with his love. The thing I just kept feeling in my spirit was baptism of his love. And uh, I just feel like some of you today, it's, he's going to just drip on you. Pastor Jonathan was saying like a, like just like a downpour. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to drip on us um, like warm oil. And his love is going to break through. One thing I specifically heard was negative self-talk. When you look in the mirror or you go down the you know, hall and, oh, gosh, I should never. And that, that hatred of self, the Lord is here to break through that and set you free. And his love, there's, a, there's some of you just been feeling so unworthy. Like, I think God had a plan for me, but I blew it and... I'm just going to have to try and, you know, make it through that unworthiness. The love of God is here to affirm who you are in him and remind you that he has not revoked his call. He has not revoked or pulled back his purpose for your life, but his plan for your life has not changed. So just simply yield to his love and let that propel you into his purpose. Um, and he's going to restore confidence in him. Last, last week, that message was such a message of encouragement and lifting us up to man. There's a race to run. There's a real race to run. And, and we're going to continue, I guess, in a, in a similar vein. Uh, the, the title of the message I, I fell in my heart was Find Your Fight. Find Your Fight. He is here. You are here healing every heart. You are here turning lives around. You are here Mending every heart. How many are grateful that the Lord is here? 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. We just yield to you this morning. We honor you. We revere you. As it says in 2 Corinthians 3, the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Holy Spirit, we, we repent, God. We repent for relegating you to being just a feeling. Holy Spirit, we repent and we turn away, God, where we have ever thought of you as just a sensation or a, 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 a get-me-fixed-up-quick a pill to take. Holy Spirit, you are Lord. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are in this place. Jesus, you said in your word, I will not leave you orphans, but I will send the comforter, I will send the helper, I will send the paraclete. Thank you, Lord, that you have come. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are in this place. I thank you that you are the only one that can change our hearts. You're the only one that can change our minds. Lord, what, what is it that causes a, an addicted person to be completely set free and a life changed forever? What is it that causes someone who once walked in darkness to now walk in light? What is that other than the mighty working of the Holy Spirit? So God, we honor you. We revere you. We remember what you've done. And God, we come under your authority today and say, Lord, do whatever you want to do. Have your way in this place. Under the authority of the Lord Jesus, we take authority over every spirit that would come against the will and the purpose of God. I bind every hindrance. We break off every bondage, every word of accusation, every curse ever to come against this, this house, the, the people of God that are a part of this church. We break those things off. We break off the power of the enemy in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you. Your word says, have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather expose them. So Holy Spirit, we thank you for exposing the enemy, for the liar that he is. And we thank you, God, that you've come to set the captive free. You have come to heal, to restore, to cause the dead to come to life. Oh God, we love you. We honor you. Help us not to limit you today. We pray that unbelief would be bound, that the flesh would be bound. And Lord, we thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus, the power that you've given us over sin. Lord, you wash us from our sin and you give us power over it. I thank you, God, that you've given us overcoming power. And so, God, we just come humbly, hungrily to eat of you today, God, to be changed by you today. Transform us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, the, the message I felt in my heart is, find your fight. And I was just thinking about this during worship. Um, that uh, it's in, I think, Ephesians 2. It says uh, that the devil is the prince of the power of the air, meaning there's stuff going on in the air and you can walk. I mean, you walk in the mall, you can just like feel it. You walk in a certain place, you can feel it. But the reality is, is like we live in an evil fallen world. And uh, I just heard a testimony like this morning, somebody shared it with us, and um, awesome, awesome testimony, this, this person coming out of New Age and just got saved, and so awesome, and his, basically his testimony is, I, I accidentally became a Christian, <laughs> and he's like, I just realized how evil the world is, and it just happened in the last three years, like his eyes were just opened, and realized how evil things are, and he's like, well then, there must be 
the other opposite. Like I just went the other direction and I ended up finding Jesus. And I realized I had it totally backwards and upside down and I was actually hanging out in the enemy's camp. And so anyway, it's just awesome. But there's a reality that we live in a fallen world. And so the reason I feel this, this like message in my heart, find your fight, is um, there's a fight whether we like it or not. There's a battle whether we like it or not. If I remember a certain uh, cool movie, I won't reference it so you don't get distracted, but um, it was having to do with uh, uh, the, the Revolutionary War and someone was quoted saying, mark my words, this won't be fought on a distant battlefield, this will be fought in our backyards. And how true that was if you think of World War one, World War II, I mean, homes were bombed and like war came whether or not anyone wanted to be a part of it, right? right? And the reality is we live in a world where being born into this earth automatically inducts us into war. Now, the reality is I can either be a victim or a victor. And if I'm a victim, that's just simply either one, I don't want to acknowledge that it even exists and I'll na-na-na while I'm getting bombed on, or I abdicate what, the truth. I, I walk away from, you know, I, I, I maybe believe that it's there, but I don't want to engage, and I, whether I like it or not, we're going to, right? But there's another opportunity for, for believers, and that is that we get to be victors, but we don't fight to like somehow get victory and oh let's make it happen. Ephesians 6 says stand therefore. We stand in him in the power of my actually turn to Ephesians chapter 6 if you will. This is a good scripture just randomly uh, decided to turn there. I'm just joking that that this one is in my notes. Ephesians 6 says finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we're going to read a little bit more of this. Um, but I was just thinking about this, that the enemy is, one of his names is, you know, he's known as the father of lies, deceiver, the devil, Satan. Um, I remember reading a statistic a long time ago that there was a crazy amount of percentage of people in the world that did not believe that there was actually a devil. Uh, what was even crazier is the percent of Christians that were not 100% certain of the existence of the devil, which tells me the devil's been slightly successful. One of his number one tactics is to not be seen, to get away with stuff when no one knows it's happening. Um, he's a, a, a chameleon. He's a camouflage devil, and he destroys lives. His only purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But one of his names is the prince of the power of the air, it says in Ephesians 6, and it says, which now works in the sons of disobedience, but you're not that anymore because of the grace of God. By grace, through faith, you've been saved. That's in Ephesians 2. And it talks about we've been pulled out of that. We're no longer under that influence of the prince of the power of the air. Peter hanging with Jesus, the Messiah in the flesh. In one moment, Jesus is like, hey, who do they say that I am? And, and they're all like, well, they say you're this prophet, that prophet. Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, who do you say that I am? And Peter goes, you are the son of God. He just saw it. And, and Jesus is like, Peter, you don't understand. You didn't know that. That thought didn't come from you. The only way you know that is that my father... Let's just say in a spirit realm, the spirit realm influenced Peter to have a thought 
that he did not previously have. He said, my father revealed that to you. Okay, same scene. Moments later, Jesus speaks of the cross. And he says, guys, I, I got to break it to you. I know we've been having a great time here with our REI gear and camping out every night. Um, and I know you love this freeze-dried, no, I'm sorry. But uh, uh, fishing together and hanging out, singing kumbaya. No, of course, I mean, it was amazing. But he, he said, uh, this isn't going to last like this forever. They're going to take me. I'm going to offer my life. They're going to persecute me. They're going to beat me. And they're going to put me on a cross. How many of us could agree with Peter's reaction to that when he said, No way. Far be it from you, Lord. That can't be the way. That sounds sweet. It sounds loving. It sounds like a a truth that we could all jump in on? No. Cross bad. Camping good, you know. It's easy logic. And we all, I mean, I, you could look at Jesus and say, man, he was so mean. I don't think so. I think he is love in action. He, God is love. It says in First John, I think, chapter 5. Number four, God is love. So Jesus, love in action, pure, undefiled, perfect love, says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. That's crazy to me. And Peter's like, I was not expecting that, Jesus. Um, I was expecting, like, I knew I could trust in you. I was expecting to be, ah, yeah, Peter's my guy. He just called me Satan. He's like, John, did you hear that? Are you going to say anything? The same principle, though, he said, your mind is not on the things of God, but on the things of man. And there was an influence with a thought that came from the Lord in one moment and another thought that came from the enemy in the next, which means there's stuff in the air. And I was just... Just feeling this, as we were worshiping, I just saw this funny picture. I'm like, how many of you during the smoke in the summer last year bought an air purifier? <laughs> it was pretty bad. Yeah, we bought a couple because, man, it was, that was annoying. And uh, it's like, man, that's part of our call in this earth is to be air purifiers. That that which is going on in the air, when it hits us, It stops. And what comes through is truth. And truth comes to set captives free. Truth comes to reveal the intent and the heart and the purpose of God, which is to heal, to save, to deliver. Man, thank you, Lord. So um, air purifiers, go be at peace. Uh, Go purify. Okay. But it's real. And, and here's the, the reality is this battle that we're called to, to fight, um, like I said, it's, it's here whether we like it or not. But it's very real. And I'm telling you what, the church, I mean, we've been praying. We, we entered a new season of prayer. When, where would you say, Pastor Jonathan, Pastor Carolyn, maybe 2019 or so? I can't remember. 2020? Yeah, 2020. Everybody started praying. Uh, 
But, uh, but it, it really was a shift. Like, our, we've always been a praying church, and the, one of the missions of this church has been a house of prayer for all nations. But I would say it, it like, notably shifted. Prayer notably changed in this church. And, um, and what I remember from the first couple years was especially consistently repentance was a big part of our prayer. And I don't have time to go into this, but like if you read through Daniel, Nehemiah, First uh, 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 Samuel, like these prophets, men of God, often were praying prayers saying, these are righteous men. They're saying, Lord, we repent, praying on behalf of everyone. And so um, th- this humility to say, God, we've gotten it wrong and we're turning. But the reality is for years, not that we got it all wrong, but there's a reality that if you look at the church at large, the Christian culture at large, there has been a mixture allowed in to the church. Whether we like it or not, it's real. And the enemy has absolutely done that. The word Babylon itself means confusion by mixture. Like that's how the enemy does. Sometimes he's a swarming locust and he comes and he attacks in an obvious way. Sometimes he's a creeping locust, it says in Joel 2. Like it just kind of seeps into stuff. And I remember, uh, it was, this was probably about 2018, 2019, I was at a, invited to go to just a worship night thing, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but I just, sharing my heart, and I, I, I've, I've continued to carry this burden of just grief over the body, not being who she really is meant to be. And uh, we went to this worship night, and I'm like, cool, awesome, bunch of young people here worship, like everybody was probably under the age of, 30, except for those three weird people. No, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> totally joking. Um, but uh, I was over the age of 30. Anyway, uh, but it was a lot of, like, young-looking people. I think I was probably the oldest one there. And, um, room full of people. It was in, a, in, in the Bellevue area. And uh, seemed good. Began with worship. There was a little message, but it was just a worship night. And, and uh, man... You ever been in a place where you're just like, yeah, I, you know, yeah, it's awesome. I'm just going to find Jesus wherever I am. But you're just like, what's, what's different? And uh, the Holy Spirit, I, I, I felt him reveal to me. This is not in condemnation. In fact, it broke my heart. But I, and I told this to, to my wife. And I look around at the emotional happenings that music and this emotional like hype if you will got people into a state where they were like ah i've gotten my it was like they were taking a hit on a certain emotional experience and trust me i believe in experience i believe when you encounter the living god it's an experience i've countless times where the power of god has touched my not just my soul and spirit but my physical body i've been affected by the power of god i believe in experience but the experience should leave me changed when i meet with the person who authored the experience i should become more like the person not just seek my next hit and what i observed was this culture of this like emotional like fill me up on a Friday night and what I felt the Holy Spirit say to me I again this is not a pointing of a finger I just what I felt him saying to me was half of this room is gonna be shacking up tonight 
And it grieved, grieved my heart that the, what could look like worship could actually be a stench to the Lord. The Lord's called us into intimacy, like Pastor Jonathan was just saying, and from there, from there, living this adventure, this life, this amazing, but there are captives that really need to be set free. And so when we look at a world that's in need and dying and uh, people searching for spiritual answers in new age, searching for it through music or this next drug or this next thing, I'm searching and searching and searching. And when they finally arrive at the church, do they find Jesus? Will they find the one that when he came, things changed? There was years of preaching happening, reading of the scrolls, reading of the Old Testament, reading of the scripture happening in the synagogue. But when Jesus walked in, something changed. Mark chapter 1, Jesus, his first synagogue he shows up at, in moments, you've got a, who knows, it could have been a Pharisee, it doesn't say, I don't think. Somebody calling out to him, Jesus, what are you doing here? Are you here to torment me? A demonic spirit from, a, you know, attached to somebody's life calling out. And they said, what is this new teaching, this authority? Something's different. The kingdom of God was in the room. And trust me, I, I'm not a kingdom now, like, let's, you know, do, 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 do. but the kingdom of God is in us. Amen? So when we've been bought by the blood of the Lamb, we become members of the kingdom. We are citizens, not of this earth, but citizens of the kingdom of God, citizens of heaven. So we, here we are walking on this earth as ambassadors, not for this kingdom, for that kingdom. And, but something should change when the, those that are bound and in darkness and in sickness and in emptiness and in addiction, that when they come and they encounter someone that should bear the power and the authority and the life-changing truth of that kingdom, something should change. And I, I'm, I, I know I'm, not, I'm preaching to a bunch of people who agree with me, okay? So I'm just... Share my heart, but uh, but I, I believe there's like this call, and and there's something about gathering. In Hebrews, it says, "Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some." I tell you what, prioritizing your life around gathering with believers should absolutely be that one of the top things on your priority list. My relationship with God. My relationship with my spouse, if you're married, my relationship with my kids, and my relationship with, with one another, like, that's like the action-packed, like, this should be top priority. And if I love my wife and if I love my kids, I'm going to make sure I'm gathering. Because it says, let us not forsake, all the more as the day approaches. But what are we called to do? It says, exhorting one another unto good works. So that's all I'm doing here. Let's go. Let's go. The battle is on. Whether we like it or not, I'm going to read this. And, uh, and then we're going to trust the Lord to have his way. Um, Ephesians 6, are you there? Yeah. Okay. Finally, my brethren, be strong and my sister in. That's new, new King James. Be strong in the Lord 
in the power of his might. Notice it doesn't say be strong. It says be strong in whom? The Lord. And in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why does it say whole? Because we need it all. It doesn't say pick your piece for the day. It says put it all on. Armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We've, we've got to know that there is a battle. Our eyes, our focus, our attention is on the Lord. If you get so devil conscious, you will end up in trouble. But there's also the other extreme where I'm so just me and the Lord and it's just experience his presence and oh yes. Just. And I leave and live my own life and do my own thing. Been there. For real. I've been there. How many of us have been there? You leave this place and... Thank you, Siri. Shut up. Um, I leave this place and my, my number one objective... What is it? Food. Right? And uh, that's, that's going to be the case today, too. It's okay. But, but like, my number one objective is what, where are we eating? You know, what we're doing? <laughs> we're going to get some food. And uh, usually get some at home or, you know, go somewhere. Or if we go to Qdoba, Zeke pronounces it Kudova. So um, just so you know, there is a V in Qdoba. But um, anyway, uh, you know, that's, that's your objective. Go get food. Go home. By 3 o'clock, am I any different? Yeah, nap or whatever. And I'm not, I believe in rest, okay? Don't get me wrong. I fully 100,000% support naps. Praise the Lord. He gives his beloved sleep. Um, but uh, what I'm saying is, how many hours does it take till we return to BAU? Business as usual for the acronym peeps. How long does it take before we've just returned to where we were? Like, did I leave transformed? When we gathered, did, did I feel pulled into something greater? Did I feel like I was here, but somehow the Holy Spirit's pulling me higher, and there's like action that's going to follow and it's not religion. It's not check my box Christianity. I, got, I sang my song. I read my three chapters. And I did this. And I'm, I'm good. I'm going to heaven. Praise the Lord. Like, no, I'm changing. Something is changing me where, man, like what's happening? My heart is like bleeding out. And I see people and they're broken. And they need Jesus. I was broken. And now I'm not. They're still broken. Something needs to change. And it's Jesus. And I think the Lord's calling us saying, hey, stop asking the next person to do it. And say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Sometimes we'll be in a meeting and we're like, okay, Lord, sending people on the mission field. And here I am, Lord. Send me. And the Lord's saying, hey, I'm, I'm ready to send you now. Here. It was a little bit ago, uh, just a random story that came to my mind, but like, I was like in a hurry. It was, it was after church. And uh, I mean, no, we're, after, we're in a hurry after church because we just, we just got with God. So the, all the important stuff is done. And I, uh, we, we went and we grabbed some, some coffee. And 
I walked into a Starbucks and walked out and I go and I get in the car and I, and I, and I just as I passed by, it was just like this, that person needs the love of the Lord. And, I, and I'm like, you know, I'm in a hurry. I'm just, you know, don't, don't listen. Nah, 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 nah. Ever done that? And I get in the car and I put my seatbelt on. And Jules is like, you're feeling her on your heart, aren't you? I'm like, you know, yes. And then, so I get out and, uh, and man, it was just an awesome encounter. I got to pray with her and, and uh, it was someone who had been really hurt by the church. And so like, <laughs> Jesus said, that's one of mine. I love them. And will somebody be my hands and my feet there and now? We're here to be error purifiers in the, in the midst of a wicked age. But man, we've got to be equipped and armed with not our strength, not our religion, not our goodness, not our blah, 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 not our, I read this many. It's our relationship with God and yielding under him in his ways and walking in all that he's called us to. We're armed with the strength of God. Amen. It says, for we know, do not rest. I don't know where I'm going all over the place, but praise God. We're, Jesus is going to say something today. Uh, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the, of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We don't have time to go through all this, but just there's a reality that there is a rank and order system in the kingdom of darkness. And the devil's a copycat, so he gets that from the Lord. You know, it says that we're made a little bit lower than the angels right now. But then when we go to be with him in, in heaven, we will rule and reign with him. Um, so there's a real war. There's real powers. And the devil hates people. Why? Because they bear the image and the likeness of God. I used to say this uh, a lot with, with the youth. But I remember, like, walking down the hallways of, like, my middle school and high school um, I would hear this one name get used a lot, uh, and it usually wasn't in a positive connotation, uh, and it was the name of Jesus. And typically, it was like when somebody's like slamming their books against a, a locker. You guys even have lockers nowadays? I don't know, but uh, we had lockers, and you know, I remember seeing a kid like punching a locker, and he says the name of Jesus in a not so lovingly manner. Uh, perhaps in vain. Um, and it's funny how you notice, like, in the world, that name is used and abused. Like, no other name. Like, you don't hear people who say, oh, Buddha. <laughs> I'll tell you why. The prince of the power of the air hates one name. Because that's the name. That's the name that trumps his authority. That's the name that trumps his power. That's the name that when the kingdom of darkness is trying to come in like a flood, that's the name that raises the standard and stands against it. That's the name that it says in, in Acts chapter 4, there's no other name given on earth among men under heaven by which we must be saved. It's the only name. That's the name that bears all power, authority. It's the manifestation of the love and the word of God in action to destroy the kingdom of this earth. So let's just uh, use that name uh, for, for the right purpose. Amen. Um, but it's, it's a name that, that, that has everything into it. And so there's a reason. There's a real battle. If we, you know, sometimes we just like to be so numb to the fact that there's real stuff happening. But there is. 
Um, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. I want you to turn really quick to Judges. We've got Ephesians 6, and we're going to do Judges 6. For those of you who are mad at me for referring to food during church, I know that's kind of like a, you're not supposed to do that because everybody gets hungry. Um, Jesus did say, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Amen. (laughs) So uh, if you're hungry, well, eat up. All right, I'm just going to, I want to just popcorn jump through the story of Gideon in Judges 6, but I feel like there's so much parallel to this, and I, the revelation that I just keep feeling like the Lord just showing me um, is, is this like this package of we, as Christians, sometimes we'll, we'll hear a message like this, like, there's a battle, yes, let's go, and I, I'm ready, I want to go. Notice that this call to stand in his strength, in the power of his might, and to put on the whole armor of God, it's at the end of the book. And if you read Ephesians from chapter 1 through, it begins with establishing our identity. And all that we are, who we are, what we have because of Jesus. And so you have chapter 1, it's Man, you've, uh, I mean, I could, I could literally give you this list. I mean, it's, I'm going to hit you with a few. This is just between Ephesians chapter 1 to chapter 3. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing, chosen in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless, predestined to adoption as his children. We are accepted in the beloved. We have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, We can know the mystery of his will. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He is the guarantee of our inheritance. We're given the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's put all things under his feet and we're under him, uh, under his authority. So those things are under our feet, saved by grace through faith, not by works, but we are created unto good works because of what he's done in us. Good works should follow once without Christ, but now we're brought near by the blood of Christ. He himself is our peace, having broken down the middle wall of separation, reconciling us to God through his death on the cross. Through him, we have access by one spirit to the Father. No longer are we strangers, but we're fellow citizens and members of God's house. We are rooted, grounded in his love. And because of that, we can comprehend the width, length, depth, and height of his love and be filled with all the fullness of God. Okay, so that's like, boom. We need to know who we are. We need to know what we have. I can't walk out Ephesians chapter 6 if I don't know who I am. If I don't know what he's equipped me with, what he's called me to, what his purpose is over my life. But then you get to chapter 4 and it says, now, since all of that is on your life, since all of that is in you, now walk worthy of the calling. Like, 
That's the shift. In chapter 4, Ephesians goes from here's who we are, what we have, what we've been given, and we don't earn any of it. It's all by grace. It's all been given to us. But now grace wants to do something. Now faith wants to produce action in our life because of what we have. Now we're going to walk it out. And it begins with unity of the brethren, the bond of peace. And then it talks about the gifts that God has given. We all have a gift. We all have a purpose. We all have a plan. And then there's fivefold ministry. And its purpose is to raise every one of us up to be ministers. That we're all equipped to be ministers of the gospel. That we no longer be tossed to and fro by every wicked wind of doctrine, but that we would rise up and grow up into the fullness of the stature of Christ. Like, that's his intent, that we begin to start walking this out. But I can't go there if I don't know what I have. And then when I know what I have, I know how to rightly uh, walk. And I, I know how to walk in union and in unity with the body. And I'm submitted to God, but I also, there's like this holy submission to one another where we prefer one another before ourselves. We don't hate ourselves, but we love others so much that we'll say no after you. And so then this, this, this thing changes. And then the, the body, there's like, hey, I don't hate pastors. I don't hate evangelists. I don't hate apostles. I don't hate prophets. I don't hate teachers. I'm grateful for them because they're gifts. And some of y'all are called into those gifts and some of us are called into other things but we're all called to the work of ministry and so when we, we rightly understand okay God has a kingdom and an order and a way so I'm going to walk in my lane in Joel 2 it says they do not break rank they stay in the lane that they've been called in and so then you, you see this and then through chapter 5 it's just this weaving of like man or even chapter 4 don't give place to the devil you know redeem the time all, all these different things and chapter 5 it starts to go through relationships and, and other things to get right in, in order and then we get to chapter 6 more of that servants masters here's how you're to love each other chapter 5 is marriage by the way fellas hate to break it to you but there's like a couple commands to women. There's way more to men. So anybody who's ever grown up in a man-dominating idea of, of Christianity, um, that's not in the scripture. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. And all the men go, yeah. And it says, now, men, love your wife like Christ loves the church. means he dies. He dies. He gives himself. So uh, you ready? Okay. Praise God. I know that was motivational, very motivational, but uh, that's what we're called into. But guess what? I don't get to Ephesians chapter 6, there, stand therefore, put on the whole armor of God. I'm not ready to wear armor if I haven't walked that out yet. And this is not religion. This is discipleship. It's relational. It's I'm following his lead, and he's showing me the way, and step by step, Every time God says, go here, and I don't want to go there, I yield. When, he, when God says, let's cut that relationship off, I don't fight it. I, yes, Lord. I yield, and I submit to his authority in my life, and he works, and it's amazing what that does to then position me in a place of humility, yieldedness to the Lord, submission, right type of submission to one another, not, not to be dominated or controlled by people, but yielding. And then I have right relationship with God, right relationship with man. I know who I am, so now I can stand, therefore, in the power of his might, in the strength of the Lord, in the power of his might, and I can put on the whole armor of God. How can I put on the full helmet of salvation and it actually operate in my life if I don't understand salvation? 
if I don't understand what the finished work of the cross has done for me? How can I put on the breastplate of righteousness if I don't understand that he who knew no sin became sin, that I might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Like, I am now righteous. This is covering my vitals, my heart, my lungs. Like, man, it's awesome. The belt of truth. How can I wear a belt of truth if I've not come under the authority of his word and it's, it's eating me and, 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 and changing and transforming me? How can I have my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel if I don't have preparation of the gospel in me? Um, anyway, praise God. How can I put on the shield of faith if I'm so stuck and I don't know if God can, you know, I don't know if he can. But in relationship, in knowing him, this is not... Uh, memorize these three scriptures and then you'll walk it out. Like it's just get to know the king, get to know the one, get to know him and let him reveal to you who you really are and then all this stuff flows. Okay, so I think I pretty much did Judges 6 for you, but um, I'm going to show you this really quick. I love this because you see the same thing happening. Gideon, hiding, doing some wheat in a wine press. Not the usual spot for wheat to be threshed. It's not very windy in there. And the angel of the Lord came and sat under a terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, not Dr. Phil. Sorry, that was bad. <laughs> we could go down a rabbit hole there. Okay, <laughs> praise God. Under your seat, there's a special gift. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Sometimes we need a good laugh. Um, the tree that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizurite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the Midianites had been trampling all of their produce, all of their farms. So they were literally killing them by starving them. So he's hiding and, and, and doing wheat. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. I believe this is a pre, pre-incarnate Jesus. When you see this reference to the angel of the Lord, um, typically that's, a, that's showing us that that's actually Jesus, the one who wrestled with, uh, with, with Jacob, the one who stood the fourth man in the fire, you know, so many. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, it does not say, you know, Gideon was hanging out in the wine press, licking his sword, ready for battle, like, let's go. It says he was managing the wheat and hiding it from the Midianites. But here the Lord shows up, you mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. And Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? Um, but now the Lord has forsaken us, delivered us in the hands of the Midianites, uh, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. Isn't that funny? Gideon's like, what are you talking about? Go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? This doesn't remind you like Moses. Like so many times where God calls and like, they're like, what? Who am I? What? I don't understand. Nope, you're going you're gonna to go save a nation. Israel's going to be saved through your hands. Um, and just awesome, awesome story. It's amazing that God began with Ephesians chapter 1 in Gideon's life. You need to know who you really are. And I feel like there's so many of us, you just, you, sometimes you've been around church long enough, it's actually harmful because you, you like had just enough of, of, of church and just enough of God, but then like 
also mixed with the world, and so you kind of just live this like, oh, like, I don't, you know, there's no power. And, uh, and, and I believe the Lord's just here to, like, call us into the knowing of who we really are. I, I was thinking of a picture of, like, uh, like an eagle. Um, you ever seen an eagle hanging out on a tree? Like, well, I don't think these things will work. You know, let's see. Do I have enough feathers? I don't. And I'm sure, not sure if I've memorized chapter 3 of the book of Hesitations. So... I'm not sure if these things are going to work. I, my, just stick with me. But uh, you never seen eagle like questioning his purpose or his identity, or like whether or not his nature, which is to fly higher than just about any creature on the planet. He, he's not stuck there on the tree, going, "I don't know if this thing's going to work." You, you ever watched an eagle take off? I mean, it's amazing. If they're on the ground, it's just. I love eagles. It's one of my favorite animals. But you just, and it's a lot of work, but they get up there, and then every time there's resistance in the wind, they just open their wings, and they go higher. Like resistance only causes an eagle to fly higher. Such a picture for the church. But like, you've never seen an eagle questioning their identity. I don't know if I can do And how many met a Christian? How many been a Christian? Going, well, I just... Maybe, maybe God can heal. Maybe he can save. You know, like, maybe God could do something in my life. I don't know. You know, man, I, I think we just need to get rid of all the reasons to not trust that we serve the living, eternal God, the creator of heaven and earth, and he knows you by name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. That astounds me. I find myself, you know, broken when I'm praying for the lost, thinking he knows literally every hair on their head, and he knows unless they hear the truth, they will not be with him for eternity. I think it's, it's time, high time, that we as the church get back to a really plain and simple gospel. That there is real evil and there's real good. And the difference between the two could not be more vast. We must know the power and the, the, uh, the volume of his mercy, of what we've been saved from, because without and apart from his mercy, destruction and eternal separation from God in hell is the destination. I am so grateful that by his blood he gave himself, paid that price for us, and I'm so grateful that somehow I heard the news and decided to put my trust in him. I've also witnessed the life-changing power of that gospel, that it's literally made me into a different person. I mean, I find myself sometimes telling my testimony to people, like, one of, one of the most obvious things is I used to be so incredibly, like, annoyingly, ugly self-centered. Anybody met a self-centered person? Yeah. Some of you are like, let me see how I look. I'm sorry. If you don't think you have a little bit of self-centeredness in you, who do you look at when you see a group photo? Heard that from, heard that from uh, Pastor Lonnie. I want to skip through this really quick. There, there's so much in this story. You see the call of God actually leads Gideon into prayer and intercession. It then leads him into worship. 
in sacrifice. There's no fire without a sacrifice. You see uh, in uh, 24, because of this encounter with God, God revealing who he is to Gideon and who Gideon is in the Lord, there's this life-altering encounter where Gideon says, I'm going to build an altar now. The Lord is peace because the peace of God has come to rest here. Something changed here. And then when he gets a hold of that, Ephesians 4 happens. And the Lord says this, verse 25, now it came to pass the same night. The Lord said, take your father's young bull and the second bull of seven years old and tear down the altar of Baal that your, that your father has and cut it down, cut down the wooden image that's beside it. That's the wooden image of Asherah. Most of the time, if you find Baal, you're going to find Asherah. By the way, you'll find that in the earth today. Like, Baal got torn down, but that spirit is alive. Principality, whatever you want to call it. It's hanging out in New York. Uh, the bull on Wall Street is a picture of Baal. Baal was typically an idol that looked like a bull, um, or it was in an arch. In New York, you have both. They just installed a bull. You know, the bull was in, like, what, late, late 80s. Uh, and the arch just got installed, like, six years ago. Like, just down the street from it. People would literally walk through an arch just like that in order to offer sacrifices. To be, like, it's, it's ugly and gross, and it, it's in Washington, D.C., too. Like, you just, uh, it's at work. And Baal is the anti-God. It's the counterfeit God. It's the one who always was the first idol that pulled Israel away from the Lord. And so the Lord says, that's where we need to start. We're going to pull down idolatry. And when God gets a hold of our life, and we encounter his goodness, and we see his mercy, and we see his love, we see his power, what happens is something in me says, okay, so God's perfect, pure, holy, there's no change required on his part, but mine there is, and I can't do it of myself, but now I'm in relationship with him. God calls me into doing things I could never do. Gideon was hiding in a wine press, doing his dad's job. He's the least of, the, of his family, of his tribe, and all of the above, right? And here he is hanging out, but he could not tear down that altar, but with an encounter of God, he was ready to go pull down some idols, and so he goes and he pulls down the idol at night. He got some of his buddies, said, hey guys, let's go, and uh, tears down the, the, these uh, altars, these, these idols, burns them, which is such a wonderful picture to us. And I'm going I'm to give you a, just a few fast points. One, we've got to get to know our identity in Christ. If we want to live and walk out in warfare the way God has called us, and I know this doesn't sound like a, a warfare message, but I, I really believe it is. Um, we've got to know who we are. We've got to be rooted and grounded in his love, rooted and grounded in truth. Um, we... We've got to follow his lead and obey him in every aspect of life, even when we just consciously disagree. Um, but we must obey his leading to tear down idols. Um, I've had this happen in my life. God's led me on some funny journeys to, to deal with idolatry. One of them was leaving a company uh, without a job lined up, and I just trusted him, and I realized, oh, my gosh, God, you were like literally dealing with an idol in my life. Um, common idols, success, popular, popularity, other people's lives, what job, what career, when I have money, um, that special someone can be an idol. The ministry, religious traditions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with, with a hard one. The Bible can become an idol if we're not careful. 
You're like, okay, explain. Um, Let me clarify. I know what it was to read, say, a few chapters of the Bible and literally check the box. I have done my good deed. I have read the scripture. I have completed my assignment or whatever you want to call it. It became a religious tradition. It became, without me realizing it, I was taking confidence in what I did. As opposed to the one that this is. This is not just some principles and, you know, how to have a better family and a better business. This is the living word of God. Jesus is the word who became flesh. This is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It rightly divides between soul and spirit, good and evil. It, it, it is the way of life. When I feed on it, I'm feeding on the literal bread of life. And so I, 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 all I just say is don't let your Bible reading become an idol. Meet with the one who slays idols. Meet with the one in here who leads his people to tear down idols that he might raise up the kingdom of God, that he might raise up his purpose in the earth. Amen. Uh, Hopefully that made sense. An idol is anything or anyone that takes the esteem. I wrote this down. Attention, adoration, and priority that rightly belongs to the Lord. I'll say this again. An idol, because we think there's no, I didn't have wooden things in my house and I'm not praying to them. My question to you today is, be, are you sure? An idol is anything or anyone that takes the esteem, attention, adoration, and priority that rightly belongs to the Lord. In Ephesians 4, it says this, If you indeed have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you, and that you put on the new man. So in preparation for battle, we must know our identity. We must obey his leading and tearing down of every idol, everything that replaces God's place. And three, we must put off the old, let's call that the flesh, and put on the new, let's call that the spirit. The ways of the flesh, the ways of the spirit. Put off the old. Man, I am so grateful for miracle working power. I'm so grateful that God does amazing things. But again, if I don't leave drawing closer to him, all I have is a memory. Something amazing God did. But God's intention is that we're constantly being renewed and changed into his image, transformed uh, to become more and more like him. I heard someone say this before, deliverance without discipleship equals disaster. Because I'm like, yeah, that's kind of true. Like, you ever seen somebody who just, like, constantly needs help, constantly, like, praying for the same thing? Like, and 10 years have gone by, and I'm still, still battling. Like, man, the Lord 
sets the captive free. Then he calls us into relationship and to walk with him. And that brings change and transformation. And so we're changed both in both ways. But we're not after an experience. We're after the person who delivers the experience. Amen? Okay. So we're going to walk away from the old. Gideon, this will, I'll end with this. Gideon was really good at promoting. He had an awesome uh, following on Instagram and Facebook or whatever. And he put out a call. And he played the trumpet, blew the, blew the horn, and gave a call. And 32,000 men came ready for battle. You heard this story before? Praise God, don't shout me down. Thunderous, thunderous silence. Um, but 32,000 are called, and God says what? Too many. Have we ever tried to help God with his will? When he tells us what, he, what, he, what we're called into, he get, tells us everything that we're called into, and then we say, okay, God, I got it. I'll show you what I can do. I'm going to rally up 32,000 people, and we're going to go win this battle against over 100,000 Midianites. That was already pretty bad odds, but God said that's way too many. They're going to think they did it. They're going to want to muster up their own strength and say, you know what? We can do this. You ever heard the term, we will rebuild? Um, that's a scary statement when your government says it um, too. But anyway, we won't go there because uh, it's, it's actually a prideful statement of we'll take care of this. But So 32,000, he says, uh, go ahead and put out a call. Anybody who's scared, tell them to head home. Out of 32,000, 22,000 said, I'm a little, a little timid on the war front, so yeah. Um, you know, it's not that I'm scared. It's just that my shield isn't working today, so not going to. So you have 10,000, and then Gideon's like, okay, 10,000. All right, 10,000 reasons. Here we go. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Sorry, okay. Uh, but he had 10,000 reasons. And uh, he's like, this, this is it. This is my 10,000, my 10K. He's trying to come up with team names. He's like, my, 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 my mites of, of honor. He's, he called me a mighty man of valor. My 10,000 mighty men, let's go. And uh, God says, way too many. Way too many. When we want to win We've got to do it God's way. He's the only one who accomplishes victory. And so we've got to do it his way. And, and his way looks crazy. His way looks totally different. But the 10,000, way too many. He said, let's take them to the water. Oh, man, that'll preach. Take people to the water and see what happens when they come. No, okay. Anyway, uh, but he gets, he gets 10,000. See how they drink. The ones that take off their sword and their shield, which is what they would have had to do, they literally, they laid down and drank out of, out of the water. He said, those are the ones that aren't ready. Get rid of those guys. Because they're not watching the adversary. Because he seeks, he, he roams around seeking whom he may devour. But there was 300 that said, I'll, I'll bend down and watch. Because there's war on the front. And I realize I'm called. I'm called into this battle. And I'm not going to be deceived any longer. I'm not going to find myself in this place of deception and, and, and thinking that the battle's not near. I know he's right around the corner. So I'm ready with sword and shield. I'll lay my sword for a second to get some water. But if I need, I'm ready to grab that sword and work. And the Lord said, that's the 300 I've chosen. 
and with them I'll deliver you from over a hundred thousand Midianites. I mean, is that not radical? And then if you read on in the story, what's amazing is God used 300 to win that battle, and they didn't even use a sword. Like, they used torches, trumpets, and vessels. That'll preach. They won the battle with worship, with brokenness and humility, because they broke the vessels, and torches, the fire of the Holy Spirit. They won the battle God's way with 300 men surrounding them. Fear had already entered the camp. And they said, the sword of the Lord, the sword of Gideon. And they began to kill themselves. The enemy did. And it says this. Oh, i got to read this. Judges 6 says, verse 21. And can I ask the worship team to come? Thank you. Or, or we could just have a couple, like, keys and something simple. Thank you. I realize when I say worship team, that's like, can 30 people come? You know, um, Verse 21, if you're reading in Judges 6, notice this. It looks a lot like Ephesians 6.10. And every man stood in his place. They weren't huffing and puffing and out of breath and just barely making it. They were standing in the victory of the Lord. Every man stood in his place all around the camp. What will happen when we do things God's way is when it seemed like I've lived my life surrounded by the enemy, what shifts is I begin to live in a life in community with fellow believers that no longer the enemy surrounds me. We begin to surround the enemy. And our worship, our brokenness, our humility, the fire of the Holy Spirit on his bride is what scares the enemy into destroying his own self. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out loud and fled. And when the 300 blew the trumpets, they hadn't even blown the trumpet yet. They were already running, scared. The Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And then it says this, verse 23, And then the men of Israel gathered together, meaning there was 300 that fought this battle. But then the rest all came in. So the ones that were scared, the ones that had a hard time getting up for church in the morning, the ones that you know, weren't too sure about getting into Bible study or not too sure about getting into discipleship, because just a few decided to go all in, the rest can come and follow. And I'm telling you, what, what I believe the Lord's calling us into is to do something that is not popular, but in so doing, many will follow. And there's, the Lord's going to use your life to pave a way for many, many, many others to enter in to the victory that the Lord has. Amen. Can we stand? You just close your eyes and just just set your heart on the Lord for a moment. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Lord, in our weakness, your strength is made perfect. Lord, when we come to you and we acknowledge that we need you, we come humbly, Lord. It says that you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. 
Lord, your grace is afforded to us not when we show you how smart or how strong we are. Your grace is afforded to us when we come to you saying, I don't have it all. I need from you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There's some of you here today, I believe that the Lord is, is speaking to some, and they're, they're, the Lord, I believe, is, is calling you into battle, but it's like you've been in a place of kind of just almost like separating yourself from recognizing there is one. And like I said, it's, it's on our front door. It's, it, the, the enemy's warring against us all the time. I, I'll tell you what, I've never experienced warfare like I've experienced in the last couple months. I, I've, I've felt it uh, at an extreme level, which is wonderful because I've also seen the Lord working um, in a mighty, mighty way. But I believe that there's some here, you just need to be made aware there's a real battle and it's time to enlist. It's time to get in. It's time to sign up and say, Lord, use my life. It's time to take up arms, to be watchful. Maybe it's just uh, the attitude of, of prayer that the Lord's just shifting in your heart to say, you know what? It's time for me to watch and pray. It's time for me to, 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 to really uh, get into knowing the Lord, get into the word, but also begin to enter a, a place of prayer and intercession and watchfulness. There is a lost, dying, sick world out there. And they are in need of a church that's alive. They're in need of a church that doesn't just preach gospel, that demonstrates gospel. Sometimes the church has been so busy counting its feathers, it's not sure if it can fly. And the church is called to both know who we are and to walk it out and to fly. There's others, I believe, that um, you know there's a battle and, and your heart really says, let's go. I want to fight this battle. But the Lord is saying, there are some missing elements. There's missing equipment. And it's this preparation of, like I said, it ends in Ephesians 6, but you, you read through, you see the process of Knowing who we are, the relationship, intimacy with God, knowing who we are, knowing who the Lord is in us, and then walking out right relationship with God, right relationship with man. I mean, the Bible talks about this tons and tons. It says, don't even worship. If you know that there's aught between you and your brother, like, don't even go sacrifice. Go make it right first. If you've got unforgiveness in your heart, man, give that to him today forgive and release today. I, I know of way too many people that have uh, for far too long been dominated by sickness, some other infirmity, and typically one of the most common denominators has been unforgiveness. And I'm not speaking about any person here today. I, I, I've just, I, I've seen many stories and I've, I've had the opportunity to minister with people where that was the unlock for them. They had really not released. And, uh, and so, but making ourselves right relationship with God, right relationship with one another.
entering into a lifestyle of discipleship and walking and following him, yielded in obedience to him. The Lord's called you into battle, but he's like, I just want to prepare you. I want to get all the right ingredients. And so maybe there's idols that need to be torn down. Maybe there's some old man that needs to be put off. Maybe there's just some ways of the flesh that need to be abandoned. Today is a wonderful day to do that. One thing I really believe is repentance doesn't have to take forever. The Bible says if you're willing and, and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. I don't think it takes very long to become willing and to become obedient. Like it's a shift. It's just a shift. I was going this way. Now I'm following you, Lord. I was off. I was convincing myself this is okay in my life. Some of you, I believe the Holy Spirit is convicting you right now of like some things you thought were small things and you're like, you know what? That doesn't belong in my life anymore. That thing I've been up to, that doesn't belong in my life anymore. That book I've been reading, I don't know, whatever it is. The Lord will just so wonderfully lead us because he does not want us to be fooled into being manipulated and controlled in any way, limited in any way by the enemy, but to be free. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. If you're here today and you just know, man, there's something in me. I, I know I'm, I'm not right with him. I'm not right with God. When I, I was a believer who went to church, I read my Bible, I knew the Lord, but yet I, I spent years where I really drifted away from him. And there came a day in 2007, in March of all times, when I knew it was time to get my life right with him. And guess what? It was one night, and I was changed forever. Now, it was also every day, every day, every day. But he did something I could not do. What was required was a heart of humility and repentance. That is the call of the church. Repentance is not taboo. Repentance is what affirms that we belong to him. The righteous man might fall, but he gets back up. If you're here today and you know, I'm just not right with God, whether you've, this is your first time in church or you've been in church your entire life, if you know today I am not right with God, I want you to come to this altar. And, and I just want you to respond to the Lord and just come and just say, God, I want to make things right today. In Jesus' name, we're going to pray. And I'm going to pray. We want to pray for those that are here. And you're like, you know what? There's some idols that need to come down. There's some, there's some things in my life that don't belong. I want them gone. I want to turn. But Lord, I need your power. I need your help, Lord, to make that change. Maybe some of you here today, I, I, I just keep remembering the story of my dad and how alcoholism was broken off of his life. In one moment, he called on the name of the Lord Jesus, and he was saved, he was delivered, he was healed. The Bible says those who call on the name of the Lord, those are the ones that get saved. So man, when we respond to God, we do it hungrily, we do it humbly, we call on his name, and God intervenes. So if there's any part of your life that's not right, if there's just something that you've just been in a battle right now, you're in a, a season of a battle and you're fear, feeling weary and you're feeling like, Lord, I just need you to come and help me in this. I want you to respond and I, we just want to pray with you. So if that's you, any of those things apply to you, I want you to come. 
And we want to pray with you. If it's one person, if it's a hundred, the Lord is here to work on your behalf. The Lord is here to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Some of you have been having trouble with sleep. I don't know who, anybody been having trouble with sleep? Will you raise your hand if you've been struggling with sleep? The sleepers or the bad sleepers, come stand over here. We're going to pray over you. You're not a bad sleeper. But that's not of the Lord. If you've been struggling with sleep, quickly, 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 quickly. If you've been struggling with sleep, I want you to stand here just shoulder to shoulder. Can we get ushers and uh, prayer teams ready to pray?